Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. Jacques Coeur, an advisor to the French monarchy in the 14th century, once said, for a valiant heart, nothing is impossible. While Pierre Corneille, legendary French playwright, once said, to win without risk is to triumph without glory. Though these words were uttered centuries ago, they could not be more relevant in France today. And few quotes better capture the essence of the team who have captured the hearts and minds of many this season. Lille are champions of France after a 10-year wait in an era in which many may have doubted the possibility of such an event ever happening again. But this has been no ordinary season and Ligue 1 is no ordinary league and that is perfectly encapsulated by the drama, tragedy and delirium we all bore witness to on the final day. For elsewhere on Sunday night, we saw Monaco reach the promised land of the Champions League as Lyon slipped and fell within, while within touching distance of the Holy Grail. Rennes ensured European football will be returning to Roazon Park, while Valiant Lons were unable to make the final push for the UEFA Conference League. And just as it seemed that Les Canaries of Nantes had flown free of the shackles of the relegation playoff place, they were dragged back down to the ground and will now fight for their survival in the week ahead. On our last regular podcast of the season, we'll be discussing Angers-Lille and Lyon-Nice, but predominantly taking a look at all the major fallouts of Sunday night's events, with one final spotlight section coming on Lille's title-winning forward, Jonathan David. I'm your host, Jake Smales, and to unpack everything with me, I'm thrilled to be uh, joined tonight by both of GFFN's chief features writers. As usual, I have Eric Devin with me. Eric? As a lover of French football, I can imagine you're raring to get stuck in. But as a Lyon fan, you must be hurting a little bit today. Um, it's 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 a it's a hurt for which I was able to brace myself. So it's not, it's not something that stings uh, to any great degree, uh, thankfully. But uh, uh, no, we can get into this. I, I think it's actually a there actually may be a silver lining um, for the club. We will certainly get into that uh, shortly. Um, I'm also joined by co-GFFN features writer Adam White. Thanks for coming back on the show, Adam. Um, Adam is the editor of the Modern Footballer magazine, uh, which is the Get Football Group's comprehensive and, quite frankly, unputdownable print magazine, if I do say so myself. And uh, very excitingly, we have a new issue coming out on June the 1st, I believe, all about the European Championships. Adam, good evening. Tell us a little bit about the upcoming issue. Hello. Yeah, it's great to be going to be back on. Yeah, the, the new issue is on its way. It comes out on June the 1st, as you mentioned, Jake. It's massive. It's uh, it's taken me a long time to to sort of organize and put together and edit and and write some pieces for as well. Eric's done a brilliant piece on Memphis Depay and, and how he might affect Holland's uh, Holland's progress this uh, this summer. Uh, basically, it's a, a sort of a preview magazine of the of the European Championships coming up. Uh, we're just what, less than three weeks away now. Uh, every team covered a major major article on every team. Uh, eight one to watch profiles, um, and as well as a, a European roundup of the, of the of the season just gone. The usual club columns and uh, talking points, and uh, some brilliant feature articles as well. A really eclectic mix of of uh, feature articles on on topics like Soren Lerby, Sir Alex Ferguson, um, loads of stuff. And it's it's uh, it's yeah, it's, it's our biggest and most ambitious and best, in my opinion. Uh, uh, issue today, so yeah, really excited for that to come out, and uh, you can find that on all of all of Get Football's um, 
uh, Twitter, Twitter outlets and on, on the website on, and on the modernfootballer.com. Brilliant. Well, I must read then ahead of, ahead of the European Championships, uh, the latest issue of the Modern Footballer magazine when it comes out on June the 1st. Anyway, let's get on to Ligue 1. And where else can we start than the west of France? Lille travelled to the Stade Raymond Coppa on Sunday night, knowing that if they could match PSG's result, they would be crowned champions of France for the first time in a decade and knock Paris Saint-Germain off their perch for the first time since 2017. The hosts, meanwhile, had nothing to play for other than to give their long-serving head coach, Stéphane Moulin, a meaningful send-off. The stage was set. The nerves could easily have been palpable with Paris breathing down their necks, but Christophe Galtier's men were calm, composed and doggedly determined. After just 10 minutes, they were ahead, thanks to Canadian forward Jonathan David, who finished coolly past Paul Bernardoni. A powerful strike from Angelo Fulgini had to be parried by Mike Mignon, but Lille kept control of the match and on the stroke of half-time won a penalty through that man again, Jonathan David. Up stepped King Barak Yilmaz, who with a stuttering run made it 2-0 to Lille, with the trophy now well and truly within their grasp. Angers came forward more in the second half, with Mignon being tested a couple of times, and in the 92nd minute, Fulgini pulled a goal back for the hosts, leaving many with their hearts in their mouths. But shortly after, the final whistle reverberated around the stadium, and Le Dug had done it. 2020-2021 League Arm champions, an incredible tale of resilience, character and spirit, and the just reward for a team so expertly constructed and expertly coached. Cue tears from Christophe Galtier. Burak Yilmaz was on FaceTime to his mother. Players were draped in flags and chanting into the night. And Lille fans lined the streets of the city to party into the night, knowing that their team, their team of grizzled foreign veterans, league on stalwarts and promising youngsters had done the unthinkable. Under Christophe Galtier, they had staved off seemingly inevitable relegation just three years ago, overcome the departures of key personnel, triumphed despite off-pitch turmoil and speculation and dethroned the mighty Paris Saint-Germain, reaching the promised land. Um, Adam, a wonderful night for Lille. Um, the match itself was a relatively painless one, wasn't it, in the end? Yeah, in the end it was. Um, you mentioned that Fulgini, uh, that Fulgini header right at the end. I, I, you know, for the because of the league, I was sort of supporting supporting Lille, and, and you know, I think it's great that we, you know, France had three different winners in the last five years. If you, if you now, if you sort of want to look at it in, in that way, and yeah, it was it was relatively comfortable as soon as that first goal went in. Um, you felt that Unje had very little to play for would would struggle to to really pose too much of a threat. But they did actually play pretty well, I thought, in Mulan's Mulan's last game. Um they they had a lot of the ball and and didn't recreate too many chances, but they you know the the classic Angers kind of performance, solid and uh a sort of very sort of stoic um but um sort of mildly expansive as as as, as mild as you can possibly get, I think. Um, in classic winner style, but yeah, Leo were deservedly, deservedly champions and deserve to deserve to win last night once again. And um, I'm sure Eric will touch on later on. But I thought David was brilliant. I thought Sanchez was um, very good in that that wider midfield role. I think he arguably he might even be slightly better there, especially in this sort of form um, when he's when he's not quite at his at his at his peak. Um, that that sort of slightly freer role is 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 perhaps more suited to him in that kind of mode. Uh, he was great. Um, great to see Samari starting again. He's been fantastic into the season. He probably won't last till next year at Lille, but he was great again. Um, and yeah, um, they were they were they were superb um, and did did enough 
to 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 win the title over the course of the season, deservedly so, and very 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 similar last night. And uh, yeah, great great friend of football and uh, ecstatic for Christoph Gautier. He's a, he's always been a very very good coach. Quietly so at Etienne. his team got slowly more boring and it got slowly worse in terms of quality over the over his time in charge. But always managed to maintain a European challenge pretty much. Uh, and and it's proven at Lille that he's 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 a versatile coach and an adaptable coach and and if he wants to play attacking football he really can um, and and uh, yeah they've been brilliant and um, it's, it's a great story it's probably the, it's a great story in in, in European football this season and uh, so massive congratulations to Lille it was it was great fun yeah I agree I agree wholeheartedly um, with that later comment it really does feel like the, the best or, or certainly the most uh, heartwarming and uh, and an engaging story this season I mean it's hard not to get swept up in the emotion of what is essentially an underdog story. You had Christophe Gautier in tears, as I mentioned. He was saying after the match, I can't tell you how much I love this squad. I love them so deeply. Mum, who is currently in a rehabilitation centre, I'm sending you love. Dad, who is up there, this is for you. Um, there were lots of profanities in the mix as well. Um, obviously, Christophe Gautier finding it difficult to re- retain his uh, his emotion and keep those in check. But yeah, amazing scenes. And you had Jose Fonts, uh, obviously the captain crying, you know, a guy who I think many had written off perhaps several years ago when he moved from the Premier League to China. He's come back, he's captained the team to, to Ligue 1 at the age of 37 and saying this is a victory for a team, for talent, for hard work, for everyone. Um, Eric, uh, this is a team, as I mentioned, on the brink of who are on the brink of relegation in 2018. They're now league winners. Just your thoughts on on this on this achievement. Well, I think we, we have to talk first and foremost of you know the scale uh, and their opponents ambitions you know it's not as if you know we we talk time and again about um the largesse of psg but they're not they were far from the only team that that's invested heavily in the past couple of seasons i mean I, I think certainly monaco bringing in likes of uh their their midfielders uh Chalmini and um and fofana um you you had um Leon spending heavily on on Lucas Paqueta, Bruno Guimaraes, uh, Thiago Mendes in recent seasons. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that it, it's it's something that was done despite long odds. Um, you know, Lille had yeah yeah they brought in players this season, but again at the same time, I think that <clears throat> pardon me, I think that the the uh, the, the their, their outgoings have been they've consistently lost a big uh attacking player every summer of late uh with with Aussie men with Pepe um but also you know players who have been I think you know relative stalwarts in the team in different ways we think about Gabriel Marquez going to uh going to Arsenal we can think about Loic Remy uh given his given his um contributions uh even Eve Pesuma going going to the Premier League as well um so I think that the, this achievement that's been done on the part of Leo is 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 over the odds in so many ways and it really is an just a massive testament to not only the managerial acumen of pardon me of Christoph Galtier but also um you know a nod to uh the team's transfer policy and and that again uh with the uh, with the departure of Campos uh, back in December, it remains to be seen uh, to what extent they'll be able to sustain this. But um, you know, catching lightning in a bottle, uh, much in the way Monaco had five years ago or four years ago, and much in the way Montpellier had 
a decade ago, uh, I think it really has been uh, the essence of this league on a season, which has been certainly one <clears throat> under undertaken under very strange circumstances. Um, but I think it has made it for a thrilling narrative throughout. Um, and yeah, hopefully this team can not be totally dissembled over the summer in, in terms of both playing personnel and and coaching staff and uh, people to make a fist of it in the Champions League because I think we saw, particularly in their European endeavors this season, that they're um, they are able to not only compete domestically, but they're able to go toe to toe with the very best in Europe. Uh, thinking about that win in the Sincero, among among other results. You mentioned um, earlier on there, Eric, how significant to this. Um, obviously, Luis Campos is, uh, or has been. Obviously, he's now left the club. Um, but I think it's pretty telling that of the two sides to beat Paris Saint-Germain to the Ligue 1 title since uh, Montpellier in 2012, Luis Campos has been the the architect, if you like, of those two teams. Um, Adam, h- how much credit does does he deserve for this? And, and I guess kind of answering my own question there, is there a better sporting director in, in world football right now for your money? <laughs> That's a really good question because I think with sporting directors, it's almost a like a pitching kind of uh, kind of task. You kind of you're sort of pitched at sort of a at a, at a certain level. And, and Luis Campos might not be Real Madrid's best sporting director because the way he goes about his job, and he, you know, he says he loves players for like three million and under, and he, he's the master of finding players for that in that price range at less fashionable markets around the continent that other sporting directors and other scouts perhaps either have missed or they've gone under their radar or aren't as confident on on for whatever reason. You look at people players like Zeki Celik, who came um, from you know that Turkish contingent, Yuziki as well. Uh, even Yilmaz, who's not a young player, but um, he and that's not necessarily a campus signing either, but those those sort of areas around around the continent, he's an expert at picking up um, that those sort of cheaper players and, and, and those ones that have so much potential to develop and Maybe you know same, it was exactly the same with uh, with Monaco, but I don't know that he'd necessarily be you know if he was go to go to Barcelona. I, I don't know that that would immediately make them a success in the way it has with Lille and Monaco. But um, for for pound for pound, absolutely, it's very difficult to say anybody else is a is a stronger sporting director around the continent at the moment. He definitely does deserve you know a fair amount of credit for for for, for this title. He's obviously already left the club. But obviously, a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the squad were sort of built under his his purview and brought in thanks to his sort of his nous and his know how and his his networks. So yes, you know, Leal's. I think I calculated uh, over the weekend that Leal's first choice team cost about sixty six million pounds. So you compare that to just Neymar, you're already you know it's less than a third of just Neymar. So it's it's an it's an amazing feat, not just from a from a from a sort of a sporting you know footballing a, a tactical perspective from Gauti's point of view, but it's a, it's a feat of engineering in terms of in terms of uh, from the sporting director and and off field side. So yeah, he does deserve a massive amount of credit as he did for Monaco's title win as well, uh, even though he's not necessarily around to appreciate it um, at the club at the moment. But um, yeah, a brilliant sporting director, and hopefully he resurfaces at another mid table league club and makes them great as well. Um, not that Leo or Monaco traditionally mid-table clubs, but obviously both came from a, from a long way back to win the league. So yeah, um, so he stays in France. Yes, yeah, certainly we we hope he stays in France for for the good of for the good of Ligue 1. Um, as you say, pound for pound, you know, if he if he does walk into the right kind of kind of role, then um, I think it could be a very special time ahead for whichever club he does go to. Should that be a club that 
uh, where he is able to, you know, take full control of of proceedings and a club that would benefit from his style of a uh, of um, of of architect architectural master work, <laughs> I guess you could put it uh, as. Um, we have to talk. Um, I mean, we'll 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 um, come back next week for our, I guess, our awards episode, uh, listener, where we'll talk um, player of the season, young player of the season, uh, team of the season, all of that sort of thing. But I just want to get your thought um, quickly, Eric, on who you feel is uh, perhaps who's which from a playing perspective, who has made the biggest impact in this in this Lille side. You've got the likes of Mike Mignon, who's 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 secured 21 clean sheets, conceded only 23 goals. You've got Jose Font and Sven Botman at the back with their defensive steel. You've got, of course, Burak Nilmaz, who has 16 goals and five assists in in 28 games. Who for you has been the 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 MVP, if you like, the the player who who is who, if you had to had to say, made the biggest impact on this side in their title charge? Oh, it has to be Yilmaz. I, I think that um, that for me that. The, for a player who's I get a year in China, for a player who's not done much outside of his home country, to, to answer the bell with this sort of performances uh, time and again is really impressive. Uh, he's a player who I think shows a level of combativeness. It's really impressive. Um, and yeah, I mean, what else can you say? Um, I think that um, I think that he, he provides he provides a, a, a level of determination and. And veteran now to that team that that's you know you know really incredible and and I think that you know he's got to be the, the the player of the season for the for the way that you know he 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 had a bit of a slow start but I think that um, he certainly showed a level of commitment and determination throughout the season um, to act as a you know sort of a, a focal point for that attack especially as you had some younger players. Whether it be David or or Bamba or Ikone, it'll be a little bit, uh, if not flaky, inconsistent over the course of the season. And I think for him to be a be someone around whom that attack could coalesce has really made the difference for them, uh, because they did as solid as they've looked defensively all season. Uh, they definitely have had some some rather more wobbly moments going forward. And I think that to have have someone with that confidence and that and that ability um, was really impressive. Yeah, it does seem that his leadership has has dragged them over the line as well. There was that clip that surfaced recently of him in the tunnel after the Sante game, reassuring all the players, saying, "No, you will be champions. You will be champions." And and coming good in those big moments with his experiences, I think, has been invaluable. And I would, I personally, would have to agree. Okay, so we have we actually have several questions from Twitter. I'm hoping that we're able to get through over the course of the episode. But Adam, I'll bring this one to you. Um, obviously, without delving super deep onto a kind of player-by-player comparison, uh, Moyen Bateau asked, is Lille 2021 better than Lille 2010-2011? Of course, Lille's last title-winning side that included the likes of Eden Hazard, Jovino, uh, um, and the like. What are your thoughts uh, on that one? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, it's It's a really tough one because it's, it takes... A big part of that question is is form, isn't it? And and we've had and context, and we've had ten years of most from most of those players, you know, the rest of their careers to sort of judge them a little bit, and 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 take those performances in that twenty eleven season in in context of the rest of the careers. Whereas at the moment, this little team are sort of you know at the at the peak 
of maybe, well, maybe not for all of them or maybe not for even the club. But in theory, you know, it's, it's, it's a very high watermark at the moment and they're all sort of on a pedestal a little bit. Players like Yilmaz and, and Sanchez and, and Fonte and Botman. So there's, it's, it's sort of difficult to, pair, to compare from that point of view. If you're talking just in terms of a season or in just terms of general quality, you look at players like Jovinia, who was brilliant that season they won the league, but famously erratic and and um, unpredictable. Um, and th- I don't know if the the, the Lille 2021 sorry team has a player of the quality of Hazard. Um, looking through their squad, I think you know that's that's one way one way you you'd probably be the first name on a combined a combined team sheet. But I'd take Magnon over Londro, for example. Um, Debushi is you know was a, was a very very good player in his in his younger days um, at Newcastle and Arsenal before his, he had that bad injury. Um, but to, to compare them is going to be very, very tough. I think this Lille are much stronger midfield. Um, you, uh, players like Zucheka and Sumare are massively underrated over the course of the year. They've both done brilliant jobs coming in, not playing all the time. I don't know that the, the Lille in 2011 uh, team had that. You know, maybe Adrissa Gay played that sort of role in that season, but, you know, he, he's obviously a very good player now. Um, I take I take Font over Adol Rami, probably, even the Adol Rami of 2011 coming through. So, yeah, I think... Overall, perhaps this this excuse me this team is 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 stronger in terms of depth, but the high watermarks of the 2011 team, you know, like Hazard, uh, are difficult to match for well for any for any league and winning side. So, um, yeah, a, a difficult one, but um, I think I'd probably take the majority of this team over over the 2011 one. Well, I don't think you'll hear a, a more balanced, uh, nuanced analysis uh, there, Moyan Bato, an excellent excellent there from. Adam thanks for that and and also I think it's worth considering as well that of course the Lille side in 2010-2011 weren't competing with uh, Paris Saint-Germain in their current form you know the juggernaut that they are under the QSI ownership that of course was the season before um, Qatari sports investment came in uh, so worth considering that as well anyway even though the dust is yet to settle the trophy parade and celebrations are, are still going on as we speak uh, in Lille, we must look to the future. I'm wary of getting too bogged down in in kind of player by player speculation. Um, much will, I'm sure, there will be uh, many vultures uh, swooping around this team over the course of the summer. And of course, at GFFN, we will keep abreast of all of this and have plenty of content covering transfer speculation and the transfers themselves. But of course, the the key architect of this beyond Campos is Christophe Gautier. Uh, We've already spoken on the show in recent weeks about his uh, future, but it has emerged uh, in the past week that it's uh, he has been approached by OGC Nice, um, kind of to the surprise, I guess, of 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 few given the reports in the media recently, but perhaps the surprise of many given uh, where the two clubs are currently at and given Gautier's achievements this season. Gautier himself uh, has announced that he's not taken a decision on his future just yet. He says there are not only those two, referring to Lyon and Nice. Uh, there is Napoli too, others as well. I really like France. These are comments he made to to RMC Sports. Um, Eric, if you had to kind of take a plunge, where do you see uh, Galtier uh, in a few months' time? Do you see him remaining in France at one of those clubs he mentioned? Do you see him making a move to Napoli or perhaps to the Premier League or... Or yeah, what are your thoughts on on that? Napoli, I, Napoli, no. Uh, I think that 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 club, for all you know, 
as much as we like to think about pressure from managers like PSG and uh, and Leon, for example, within France, I I don't think they can really hold a candle to working for uh, the De Laurentiis family, uh, given their expectations and 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 notorious uh, proclivity for being quick on the trigger. Um, to say nothing of the fact that it it, it also will be a step abroad for for uh, for Christophe Galtier. I think that. Um, if we look at how do we say this? If we look at the the, the domestic candidates within France. I, I, I think that Nice and Lyon both have attractive elements to their projects. I think that Nice uh, it does seem that Saliba will, will be returning to Arsenal, but uh, you know, with or without him, it does seem that they're building something uh, in a way that makes sense. I, I, I think that. You know, had Dodge been healthy for the rest of the season, uh, things would have looked quite a bit different for them. Um, the attacking players they have, uh, you know, I mean, Guiri, Casper um, Dolberg had some off off pitch issues, which I think contributed to a tough season for him. Um, but I think he's a talented player. Um, it looked like Alexis Clavaris was finally starting to come come good before he was unfortunately injured coming into the season. Uh, Yusef Atal was a player who 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 I I think. Of whom I think very highly, but who also was unavailable for most of the season. So there's a lot of interesting pieces. Uh, Jeff Bernard Laid, if he can return, and if he's doing to keep him, there's a lot of really interesting, compelling pieces uh, within that Nice team. Uh, and it does seem that, unlike most of the competition in Liga, Nice are uniquely positioned to continue to compete uh, for some of the best young talent across the country. Um, so that project certainly could be very interesting to Galtier. Uh, Leon. You know, the opportunity to return them to their former glory, I think, is attractive. Um, you know, and we'll get to them. It, I think it depends how much uh, tumult there is uh, this summer in terms of their transfer their transfer comings and goings. Um, they do look likely to leave Memphis to pie. Um, lose Memphis to pie, rather. Um, but, you know, who, who else arrives and departs, I think, uh, will make this a, a rather rich season. Or sorry, a rather interesting season uh, to watch for uh, for Legon come the upcoming season. Um, so Galtier could, as someone from that area, uh, could perhaps be pers- be persuaded by uh, the fact that this this project, as it were, uh, is a chance to you know restore them, if not to their former glories, to to get them just simply playing better football. I mean, you know, there's been uh, highs and lows. Uh, throughout their throughout their more recent history, and I, I think that um, as thrilling as it was to watch them reach the Coupe de la Ligue final and the Champions League semifinals last season, um, you know, there I, I, I don't necessarily think that we can say that this club have taken anything resembling a step forward in the last dozen years. I think you know, really since since that um, ill-fated um, purchase of Yohan Gorkouf and uh, Ederson, so I, I think that that that, that sort of ill-fated transfer transfer uh, window really uh, had their hands tied. That was meant to make Leon take the next step forward. Gorkouf was seen as the the player of France's future. Um, he wasn't necessarily a bad investment, but I think that between he his injury issues and, and Alex Isoko and, and Ederson not working out, um, Leon have really been struggling to recover from that ever since. Um, you know, again, it's not like this team haven't produced good moments, 
Um, again, the Europa League semifinal in, in 2017 was thrilling. And that, you know, I think for for me, um, you know, save the win over save it the win over Real Madrid. Um, I think that tie uh, for me uh, it, it was something even more thrilling and more incredible. Uh, they're, they're beating Roma. Uh, that tie is is a more indelible memory for me than even um, even beating Manchester City last year or in August. Um, it's, a, it's a, an incredible mm-hmm. team, full of full of charisma. Um, they brought young players through. Um, but again, it was needs must, and they weren't able to sustain that level of success with those with those younger players that had come through. Whether it was Lacazette or Tolisso, or indeed even even Nabil Fakir was sold um, a couple summers ago. So I think that um, Leon are a team that are, are ripe for a bit of a, for a reboot, um, and I think that you know should they should they be able to um, do that under Galtier, he could you know really. Uh, boost his reputation, and 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 that could be something about which he can be proud um, you know, come the end of his career. We'll uh, we'll come back to Leon in a second, but for for sure, um, it does seem like the Nice rumors are the most credible so far, which I must say again is is surprising. Um, but you've got to think if Galtier is willing to even entertain such a move, that perhaps the Ineos ownership are intent on stepping up their ambitions for the club. Because if he were to to move from title-winning Lille to to OGC Nice over sides such as Napoli, he's been linked with the Tottenham job, for example. How credible those links are, I don't know. But um, you know, clubs in or around the Champions League and Europa League to make the move to Nice, you would think that there must be considerable ambition uh, there. Uh, to capture Galtier when his stock is as high now as, of course, it is. Anyway, just a brief one on Angers. Of course, that was Stefan Moulin's last match in in charge of, of them. Uh, he's set to move to SM uh, Caen in Ligue 2 and link up with former Angers sporting director Olivier Picou. Uh, terrific coach and one we hope to have back in, in Ligue 1 soon. His replacement has been announced and it will be Gérard Baticle, who has been an assistant coach at Lyon for 10 years uh, and previously coached Stade Brestois uh, from 2008 to 2009. Um, Adam, what do we know about, about Gérard Baticle? And are we surprised and somewhat bemused that, that Angers, kind of this bastion of stability, would, would appoint someone with such limited uh, first-team coaching experience, uh, given where the club is at right now? Yeah, it is a surprise, I think, um, with with Batikla coming in, um, uh, I have to confess that I, I know little about him, and the, the, his spell at Brest was was before my time uh, covering the league professionally. Um, but I think you make an interesting point that um, that it's uh, Angers are famous for being a stable club, a well-run club, and in some quarters, a hipster kind of club. You know, they're kind of they're, they're sort of uh they have sort of that sort of awe about them if if you if that's maybe that's slightly you know aggrandizing them a little bit but um you you would have suspected that they would have gone for uh a slightly left field option maybe someone from league de maybe who's impressed over uh over a sustained period of time because they're in a very precarious position i i looking at their squad players are aging ishmael troy i really like but it's 34 now and, and has tailed off towards the end of the season uh, Pierre Capel, 34, utility player, very useful. But again, he's on the way down. Thomas Manganese being one of my favourite players of the last decade in league and <clears throat> excuse me, um, at uh, Angers with that original midfield when they got promoted with Shaken Doy and uh, and Roman Saiz. Uh, he's 34. Um, so there's there's 
there's there's a job to be done there. And and although a safe pair of hands um, it doesn't necessarily guarantee survival, it feels like that would be a more sensible route than the route that Neem took at the start of the season with Jerome Arpinon, who was very inexperienced coach and had spent time as an assistant. And it that decision basically got them relegated. Um, I know Pascal Planck's done a really a really good job, but I wasn't able to save them. And you you could see a very similar thing happening to to Angers, um, given that that team. You imagine I imagine Fulgini will go with a, you know their their sort of premier player this season. Sofiane Buffal has been unable to 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 have much of an effect with injuries. Um, and beyond that, you're looking at a league de squad really. And Mulan, you know, the longest serving coach in in the top five leagues. Uh, has consistently rebuilt that team and ball in part of it. Obviously, the, the structure of has been very good too, but rebuilt that side in certain areas, especially in the midfield, produced quite frankly amazing results given the lack of resources and, and the quality of players he's been able to bring in and, and they've been able to attract. Um, and, and replacing him is an extremely difficult task. So to, to, to pick someone that has very, very little sort of, a very, a very short CV and, and there's no guarantee, obviously there's no guarantee whoever they get in, but I, I felt that if if David Guillen was available, that would be a, a you know a safe a safe option to keep them in the division. Um, battle we talked we, we talked before we came on about Lauren Battles at at, at, at If if he was available, that would be a really good addition. I know he's been linked with Mont- Montpellier as well. Um, and yeah, so it's it's a big surprise for me, and and I, I honestly fear for them next season. I love Angers as a as a as a club. I think they're really interesting. If, if the, 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 had some, I've had some fantastic sort of moments with them over the course of the last seven years. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's a huge risk, and um, they're 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 probably favourites to go down at this point next season, as a result. So yeah, interesting one, but a huge risk. Yeah, I I, I can agree more, and and particularly as you say, given given the kind of rebuild job there that's probably required with that that aging core to that squad. Um, just a brief word on the league runners up then Paris Saint Germain, who of course beat Brest two nil, but that was not uh, enough. Uh, after the match, PSG president uh, Al Khalifi came out and said, uh, well done to Lille. It comes from Gerard Lopez project at PSG. We are an ambitious project and we have ambitions this summer, even financially speaking. So you have to expect that something is uh, waiting in the wings there. Meanwhile, Kylian Mbappe, uh, of course, Golden Boots uh, winner for Ligue 1. Uh, has suggested that PSG will come back stronger and has kind of given a, an indication, if not about his future, then about certainly what he is expecting. Uh, I cannot say what needs to be done, he said. Uh, I'm just a player, but I think the people have seen, everyone has seen. When everyone sees, it, it is easier to draw conclusions. Uh, cryptic as ever from, from Killian, but I think it's clear that he wants to see uh, ambition uh, from this project in the summer. So a huge summer ahead for, for Paris Saint-Germain as they look to uh, regain um, top spot in Ligue 1 under Maurizio Pochettino and uh, of course we will keep abreast of any updates on Kylian Mbappe's future. Let's move on to the uh, second and only other game we'll be covering in any sort of detail uh, which is Nice versus Lyon. Lyon welcomed Nice to the Groupama Stadium knowing that thanks to their recent form they were still in with a realistic chance of returning to the promised land of the Champions League. That would require them to better the result of AS Monaco, who themselves had a more challenging fixture in facing Lens away from home, at least more challenging on paper. While Nice had nothing to play for, Lens still had a chance of qualifying for the newly formed UEFA Conference League. After 14 minutes, 
Carl Toko Ekombi opened the scoring for the home side, heading in a sublime cross from Memphis to Pai. The goal was awarded after a lengthy VAR review, which would come, which would be, go on to become a protagonist or perhaps antagonist of the match, depending on your view. Then, almost out of nowhere, Kasper Dolberg levelled the score for Nice after 27 minutes, with VAR again reviewing the goal, which was given. Lyon were unfazed, and after some delightful play from Memphis Depay, Toko Ekombi headed in his second of the match to put Lyon in the lead yet again. What's more, OL had the ball in the back of the net for a third time at the end of the first half, and with Monaco still drawing with Lens, it looked for all the world as if Ligon were on the verge of Champions League qualification, with Rudy Garcia having masterminded a famous win. Fate and OGC Nice, however, had different ideas. In the second half, Hassan Kamara conjured the strike of his life, uh, thundering in an equaliser from distance. Leon was stunned and Anthony Lopez was bested. Just like that, the capitulation was underway. And seven minutes after Kamara's goal, who should head in Nice's first, uh, Nice's third, I should say, none other than Saint-Étienne born and bred William Saliba who proceeded to stick the boot into his former rivals with his celebration. In a last-ditch attempt to galvanise their side, Lyon fans set off fireworks outside the stadium, knowing that two goals would help see their team turn things around and reach Europe's elite club competition. But it was not to be. With Monaco drawing, Lyon had fallen at the final hurdle and will now spend a second consecutive season out of the Champions League. Eric, a difficult night for Leon, especially as ultimately they did have their fate in their own hands, even if they might not have expected that to be the case. Um, it was kind of, we, we, I feel like we, we continuously say this, but this was another sort of game of their season in microcosm, wasn't it? Or, or certainly their title challenge, a strong start, control, and then it all fell away at the end. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, that's that's well said, Jake. I, yeah, I mean, look, this team have, have never been that had a hard time scoring for, for most of the season, but they conceded two goals or more in five out of their last six matches, um, and I think that tells the story right there. Uh, this team have just are just simply not solid enough at the back. I know there's been uh, issues with the fitness of that Jason Denier uh, during that that span, but uh, this switch to a four two three one has made has made them a little bit more vulnerable. Um, and I, I think that they, they perhaps pay for that in a way, a way in which, in which surprised them. Um, so, you know, bearing that in mind, I think it was a, a, you know, a frustrating, a frustrating outcome to, to have Champions League uh, qualification within their, their grips, but, but to get, you know, to get to, to it and have it denied was, was cruel indeed. Uh, there was also a penalty call again, a, Contentious non-penalty call for a foul on Hussam Awar as well. I, I'm not sure if you mentioned that. Um, so it was certainly a very eventful first half. Um, but yeah, again, Leon were just not solid enough at the back, um, and that told. And and you know that's that was the match um, in microcosm. I, I think that uh, conceding from from set pieces like Saliba's goal is is a really oh, frustrating, disappointing. Uh, I'm not you know pick your uh, negative uh, adjective there. Um, it was just really a difficult, uh, difficult end of the season, and I think that you know it, it really underscored the degree to which their attacking prowess could, to some degree, paper over the cracks in terms of perception of this of this team. Um, obviously, after the match, we had the news which perhaps surprised no one, which was 
uh, Rudy Garcia announcing that it will be his last match in charge. I cannot work in these conditions. I'm ruling myself out as a candidate uh, for my succession, which is kind of a, a, a funny comment there from uh, from Rudy Garcia. Um, we've kind of spoken on in recent weeks on potential replacement candidates. Obviously, Eric, you spoke earlier on about Galtier. We've seen links to the, for the likes of De Zerbi from Sassuolo, Marcelo Gallardo from River Plate. Obviously, whoever comes in, uh, it's a it's a huge job because this is a side that wants to be competing for the title. But rather than looking at who's next for Leon. What do you think's next for, for for Rudy Garcia, Eric? I mean, this is a guy who, of, of course, won the title with with Lille uh, in that 2010-2011 season. Um, he's then uh, had a strong start to a spell in Roma, only for things to fall away a bit at the end. A, a strong start to a spell, you could say, in Marseille, um, where, of course, they made the Europa League final and it fell away at the end. And, of course, this this time out where... There've been moments, you know, that run in the Champions League and the fact that they were um, leading the league at points this season, but it has um, it has gone awry. His stock has fallen. What do you think is next for him in his career? Do you think he stays in France, or do you think he, he do you think he can still kind of get a a, a a job at a team that's playing European football? What do you reckon, Eric? Can he get a job at a team that's playing European football? Um... Not at the at the present time. I you know the I think the clubs that would come to mind for me at this current juncture would be a Brest, a Montpellier. Um, I don't I don't think uh, I don't think a you know I don't think he'd make the dip into league two. But I I think there are so many potential openings this summer. Strasbourg, uh, um, that's there is there's probably a place for him somewhere in Liga. Should he want it? Um, uh, you know, obviously, uh, there's been also been rumblings that Christophe Pelissier could leave Lorient. Um, you know, there's a lot of exciting attacking talent in that side. So, yeah, I, I think he'll be somewhere in Ligue 1 next season. Um, but again, not uh, obviously I mean, who would change their manager that's playing European football in France. It's, you know, I think that um, Bren will be, will be quite happy to stick with Bruno Genesio. Um, obviously, Nico Kovac is going nowhere. Uh, you know, maybe maybe you return to Lille, uh, where he was so successful. You heard it here first. I mean, <laughs> that it wouldn't be the most ridiculous thing if, if kind of, I guess, it was the worst case scenario for Lille this summer and they were to lose uh, a lot of their star players. I can see them um, uh, perhaps it being a job that they would struggle to to attract certain managers. So maybe maybe a, a sensational return for Rudy Garcia to the north of France. But but no, it does seem like uh, his his the the kind of job that he can be going for will will be a lower a, le- a lesser one if we can indeed say that perhaps as you say uh, Eric kind of one of the more um, ambitious sides from outside the sort of top five or six in in France or or perhaps even a, a side lower down the table in Serie A of course he has experience there as I mentioned with Roma but we bid farewell to Rudy Garcia uh, we also bid farewell I should say to Adrian Osea who of course will be uh, will be leaving. Uh, nice having done a good job to steady the ship after the departure of uh, Patrick Vieira. A um, couple more quick ones on Leon. Um, uh, Adam, this is now two years of uh, Janino as a sporting director, two years without Champions League football. Um, it hasn't seemed to have impacted OL too much thus far. And, and, and this is a question I asked Eric before recording, but I'm keen to, to, to get your take. Um, 
do you think that that this will have ramifications on Leon's summer recruitment? Because in the pandemic environment, although Leon are one of the more well-positioned clubs financially in France, um, it's it's got a sting, no? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you'd have to imagine that, yeah, it it, it will impact on every every uh, every elite league and club, and also um, you know factors beyond that as well. Um, they're also in a position where. Do they have any really sellable assets? Do Pies leaving? Our probably stays. Um, uh, not going to sell Kakare. Maybe Denier goes. You know, is impressed enough to to receive a big Premier League bid. But I, I, you know, their funds are going to be minimal, regardless. So there are without being without the Champions League. Um, you know, the extra funding that comes from Champions League football. Uh, without the prestige to attract players and with you know minimal funds anyway, um, they're they yeah they're they're, they're going to struggle to 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 improve on 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 too many areas of the of the squad and and you know Janino is a everybody loves Janino you know he's a, he's a, he was a brilliant player and he's a cult hero and a massively popular figure at Leon but that doesn't doesn't necessarily make him the greatest sporting director in the world that was we were talking about Luis Campos. Um, it's a very nuanced and 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 often strange kind of job to be in, and you know, you, it depends a lot on your situation and 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 knowledge of 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 European football and world football. And not that he doesn't have that, but you know, it's it's a gamble. It was a gamble from the start, and his whether he's had any impact in the positive sense on the squad. You look at the sort of the, the you that you would label, you know, the players you would label as sort of Janino, uh signings sort of the Brazilian contingent like Jean Lucas, who went out on loan this this. Um, this season and and Camillo who hasn't been seen at all um so yeah I think um it's definitely going to impact on their ability to to just to strengthen and the jury is very much out on Janino the sporting director as much as uh, as much as I, I, I like him um, and it'll be very interesting to see what happens over the summer it will indeed and, and one thing we know is that is going to happen this summer uh, or or uh, it is very very likely is the departure of Memphis Depay who looks set to join at Barcelona, um, 177 matches at OL, 76 goals, 54 assists. Um, Eric, I mean, what what a player he's been for for Lyon and 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 for Ligue 1 as well. Yeah, I think he absolutely he's produced many moments of brilliance. But at the same time, I, I do think that uh, in having a player of such superlative talent, I do think that his abilities have done a lot to camouflage Lyon's woes. Um, if we think about the attacking trident of the, of the current season when, when Leon were on that, that excellent run, you know, we can think about the likes of Toko Akambi and Tino Katawere. Uh, the fact is, he, you know, he, he's not really had, save, you know, since, since Lacazette left, maybe you could say Fakira to push. Um, I think Lucas Paqueta, I, I think, is on his level, but is not really an attacking player per se. Uh, despite uh, him looking sharp playing that number 10 role. Um, he hasn't had the teammates around him of, of, of the same quality, and I think that that's engendered a level of frustration on on Depay's part. I think that, um, and I think that by having someone who can, you know, pull results, can pull goals out of, out of a hat, um, I think what you do end up with is something that camouflages, um, yeah, some of the issues that this team have had in, in terms of the way that their, their squad is structured. Um, you know, I think, you know, they, they should have had, uh, you know, another center back who wasn't, uh, Jamel Ben Lamry this, this, this summer, uh, 
you know, they should have had, you know, a striker. They should have got in a striker whose style fits the team more rather than, um, rather than uh, Islam Slimani, who Slimani again is a player who I have a lot of time for, but for whom I have a lot of time rather. Sorry, but um, you know, I don't think he works as a as, as a key part of that, that four three 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 four three three with which Leon did so well um, uh, in in late in twenty twenty and late in the calendar year. Um, yeah, I just think that there there are a lot of missteps on this team, and that Depay was a fantastic character, produced some really iconic moments. But um, all things being equal, I, I think that what he represents to me uh, as a fan of the club and as an observer of the league is um, that superlative talent can camouflage um, issues within a team, and I, I, that, that in terms of the team's ambitions. I mean, I don't know. One could maybe extend this argument and, and take a look at PSG. To, you know, to what extent do, does the, the brilliance of, of the likes of Neymar and the likes of Mbappe um, hide the fact that when, it, when the chips are down, this team is somewhat or is, is, this team is poorly constructed vis-a-vis their ambitions? Um, I, I think you can, you, you can draw parallels quite neatly between, between PSG and Leon in that regard. That, you know, that's the pearl of attacking talent and uh, can cover a lot of ills. Um, but when the chips are down, whether it be qualifying for the Champions League or winning a first trophy in nine years for Leon, uh, or uh, you know getting the job done in the Champions League uh, for PSG, uh, yeah, it it, it 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 leaves a lot to be desired. Um, so I, I'm glad to have had Depay in Ligue 1 for four and a half seasons, um, in terms of watching him, but in terms of him being the type of player that I think. Liga needs in terms of its um, overall quality. I, I don't necessarily think that he 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 brought um, positive developments to the to the league, um, despite his being a, a recognizable presence. Well, maybe now that he's gone, and given that there is, uh, you know, at least in terms of an attacking uh, player, there is someone waiting in the wings to to take his place in Rayon Cherky, obviously very highly regarded and has made an impact already this season. Um, despite still being a teenager, uh, perhaps Leon would be best uh, addressing their recruitment uh, focus elsewhere in this team, as you say, Eric. If if it is a case of of, of Depay's talent having papered over the cracks elsewhere, but much like a lot of the sides in Ligue 1, it's a it's a big big summer for Leon ahead. It's also a big summer for Monaco, who have qualified for the Champions League, of course, at, at Leon's expense. Um, after their draw with Lance, um, they are top of the table for 2021. Uh, obviously, a richly, richly deserved for for Nico Kovac's men. I think we've all been um, very had had very very high praise for the job that he's done. Um, and you know, along with the likes of Galtier and uh, Franquez of Lance, uh, well within the conversation for for manager of the season. So congratulations to Monaco there. Lance, obviously, commiserations. It would have been amazing to see European football return to the Stade Bolaire de Lelis after so long, but um, winless in their last four games, three defeats and a draw, um, clearly just ran out of steam. Um, uh, but despite that, 57 points, um, sensational for a newly promoted side to, to do as they've done. And of course, congratulations to Ren, who qualify for the Europa Conference League's inaugural season. Let's move on, guys, to the relegation uh, race. Uh, it looks for a while like it would be Brest, to uh, occupy that relegation playoff place in 18th. Um, 
but the tables did turn because Brest, of course, were losing to PSG. Uh, Nantes were drawing against Montpellier, uh, thanks in part to an equaliser via Rondel Colomouani. Uh, however, Andy Delors scored the winner for Montpellier in the 76th minute, um, and it was an especially cruel night for Nantes, uh, as they had a late penalty uh, overturned by VAR. Um, Adam, it's a big, big week coming up for Nantes then. Obviously, they play Toulouse in the relegation playoff match or promotion playoff, I suppose, for Toulouse. A Toulouse side coached by Patrice Garand, who used to coach uh, Caen uh, in their kind of long spell in in, in Ligue 1 in, in the last decade. Um, they finished third in Ligue 2, Toulouse. Um, scored, they were the highest scoring team in Ligue 2, 71 goals, conceded 42, so perhaps a weakness there. Do you know much about this Toulouse side? What what can what can Nantes expect in this uh, in this relegation playoff match? Yeah, it's going to be it's definitely not going to be the simplest of of tasks to lose. Perhaps I would argue they were they were over the course of the season deserved to finish second in 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 Ligue 2, not too far behind Troyes. They were very close for a lot of the season, and Clermont kind of who were very good too. I uh, kind of snuck up on them towards the end. Um, they've got um, uh, as you said, Patrice Garand in charge, and he plays a very sort of uh, almost almost every week uh, plays a, a very a very strict three six or a three six one almost or a three five two. Um, and they've got some really interesting players. They've made some good signings, you know, in, in typical typical fashion for a club like to losing their position um, from from Belgium in particular, and and some perhaps you know um, more uh, more out of the way kind of leagues. Uh, I really liked uh, Debbie Mercado, a, a left wing back. He's been really really good this this season after he came in from South America. Um, I mean, Adley, um, who plays kind of off the front, he's been um, interesting Marseille all year. He's only 21. He's a really good player. Kadu Kone is going, <coughs> excuse me, to uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach next season. He, he's actually been in and out of the team um, just simply because their midfield is actually really strong. Um, Branko, Branko van der Bommen and, and Shin Spears have been been really good in catching out the side for a lot of the year. Uh, he's come back in recently and done well. Um, and yeah, I think that they're, they're a good side. And I, I think Nantes have kind of ended up in the position they deserve to be in. Because um, when you look at their squad comparatively, if we're just talking pound for pound on, on paper, they're, they're a really weak team. And, and uh, Antoine Gambari has actually done a, a really good job to get them even this far and to the point where they're probably unlucky not to not to sneak into into 17th place and, and push Brest down into into um, in, into the playoff. When you, when you look at the table, just in strictly, num- you know, strictly sort of points terms, the fact that Nantes have won less point than Brest over 38 games this season, when you think about how those two teams have played in their progression over the course of the year, especially with Brest are brilliant in the first third of the season. Nantes have been pretty abject for most of the year. Um, and, and he's managed to get them to within one point with four wins in a row before this, this defeat to, to Montpellier, which is a pretty, you know, a bit of a feat. And um, it's going to, I think it's going to be an even game over two legs. And um, I think Nantes, given their form, are probably still just about favourites. And the emergence of, of Moses Simon under, well, not the emergence, but the sort of rebirth of Moses Simon. He's been really good at times, very obviously classically erratic, but, you know, capable of producing the unexpected. I really like Randall Kalamuani. I'm not really sure what his best position is yet, whether he's a striker or he's a number 10 or he's a wide attacker. I don't know, but he's done really well. Um, I still think Ludovic Blas has a lot to offer a team like Nantes in, in the bottom half of the table. Uh, I'm a big fan of Imran Luzer as well. He was he was great for the for the for the for the sort of CFR side, the, the youth teams, and it's been um, sort of um, talked about the club for a long time, and, and I think he he deserves to be in, in Ligan. But they're, they're pretty weak defensively, and 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 as you said, Toulouse score a lot of goals. Um, we we were sort of talking about him before he came on, but Reece Healy up front, who came in from MK Dons, I think, in the summer. Um, 
he's already a bit of a cult hero at, at Toulouse and, and he's, he's, he himself as a competition has been out of the team uh, of late um, because uh, Isu Bios sort of also had a really good season and has got, scored some decent amount of goals, a couple of good, good, he's a good finisher. Um, so yeah, there's a choice of a lot of options. So this is by no means a given. And I'd be more confident if Toulouse were playing Clermont than, than playing, uh, sorry, than not were playing Clermont than, than playing Toulouse. It's it's going to be it's going to be really close and exciting as well. I think so. So much is on the line. So much is on the line indeed. Um, and yeah, I, I completely agree. I think I think you have to say that probably given the form they've been in under Antoine Kambouari, despite their loss on Sunday, uh, it's not to lose, especially as there is over two legs on Thursday. Uh, Nantes will be playing in Toulouse and on Sunday the match will be being played at the Beaujois. Elsewhere, uh, Bordeaux beat Rams 2-1, so relatively comfortable for them in the end, uh, given that they uh, already had a point or two cushion over Nantes um, and uh, they were a point above Strasbourg, Brest and Lorient. Uh, a lot of uncertainty for them off the pitch, uh, so be sure to watch that space. Meanwhile, Strasbourg and Lorient drew, um, so congratulations to both of them, particularly Lorient, uh, on staying up, Lorient, who had just, I believe, just 12 points uh, before the new year and then uh, accrued, accrued 30 um, in the new year. So, yeah, sensational run for them. I think they're like, I think they are fifth in the table uh, if the league had only been played in 2021. So, tremendous achievement for Christophe Pellissier. Um, Eric, it was announced uh, today that uh, Thierry Lore will be stepping down um, as Strasbourg manager after five years at the helm. Uh, he and Strasbourg didn't come to an agreement on a new contract. Um, of course, this is news I think we expected for a long time. But Lore, he's been at the club for five years. He guided them uh, from Ligue 2 to, to, to Ligue 1, of course, um, and also to a Coupe de la Ligue title, lest we forget, uh, when they beat Gangomp, I believe, in 2019. Um, and they were within a hair's breadth as well of the Europa League group stages and narrowly beaten by Eintracht Frankfurt in the playoffs in 2019. What next for Lore and uh, who can you see as a potential replacement at Strasbourg, Eric? I mean, Lore should have his pick of jobs. I think I think the job that he's done at Strasbourg is, is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, yes, there's been backing from from the club, uh, bringing in likes of a jork, um, uh, Jean-Marc Nurbelgaard, uh, Habib Diallo obviously is true the club spent um, but I think the organizational the balance of organizational principles and attacking now so which which he has that team playing uh, have been really impressive and I think that you know had the team had a little bit better luck with injuries uh, this season you know perhaps they could have had made more fist of uh, a fist of things I think that Habib Diallo took a long time to to get to grips with things, uh, you had lengthy injuries to Eisner Jiku, who's been um, one of the better defenders. Obviously, Mohamed Simakan has been injured as well. Um, Matt Sells has missed almost the entire season. I think he was one of Ligon's most underrated goalkeepers um, since has been one of Ligon's most underrated goalkeepers since arriving in Strasbourg. And this, there's a reason why this guy is on the fringes of the Belgian team. So yeah, I think that being said, um, Loray has done an, an excellent job with Strasbourg and, and should have his pick. Um, of you know any any number of ambitious or 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 not so ambitiously going kind of clubs. I think he's a he's been a fantastic um, a fantastic manager who has his teams play in a positive fashion, and I think it's something which which does well for the league. Um, you know, he's he's someone whose aesthetic definitely combats the the farmers league negativity. Um, you know, if we think about Again, their achievements are impressive, but the likes of a David Guillon, the likes of a Stefan Moulin, who, whose calling card has been that slightly negative 
or, or more than slightly negative uh, uh, tactical approach, um, that, that sort of needs-must approach. I think that he's managed to get Strasbourg playing attractive attacking football um, despite being on, you know, not the same sort of budget that one would expect or one would associate with teams that uh, are operating in that in that uh, financial stratosphere. Again, even if uh, if I if I had, even if as I previously mentioned, um, they had been able to spend a little bit more than the likes of a Ras or or an Angers uh, in recent seasons. Yeah, it's it's a big big summer for Strasbourg to replace him. Obviously, there's a there's a host of managers with league on experience on the market. Um, for them this summer, the likes of uh, Guillaume and Zakarian and, and Moulin, of course, um, and Adrian Osea, who's done a decent job at Nice recently. And of course, Rudy Garcia, who who could perhaps rebuild his career in Alsace. Um, a couple of questions on Twitter uh, before we move on to our, our final section. Uh, then kind of more general ones here, guys. I'll ask each of you uh, one just for, for time's sake. Uh, Adam, I'll come to you first on this one. Uh, Chris Carpenter of French Football Weekly asks, uh, well, his qu- original question was, who are the three young talents most likely to be poached from Ligue 1 based on their season? And explain why one of them is Terem Moffi. Uh, surprise, surprise, he's a Lorient fan. Um, let's just have one to, to avoid um, avoid that. If I can, you can take your time. But who do you see as the young player in Ligue 1 who is the most likely to make a move outside the league? Wow, that's that's a big question, isn't it? Um, Moffy is a good shout. Um, very powerful, very pacey, good finisher, striker. Um, scores a little bit in purple patches, but still only 21 and he's been massive for Lorient. Um, I was looking at that table you mentioned about Lorient being in, in 2021, that eighth in, just 2020, in just 2021 in, in Ligue 1, which is impressive, 30 points over those 21 games. Um, and he's been a, a really big part of that. Um, but then, poor, looking beyond him, uh, it's a difficult one. There's so much, it's France, it's, it is literally the League of Talents. Um, so I think maybe maybe playing a little bit safe, but Bubakoi Samare is one that's been talked about for a long time. Um, he, he's done brilliantly at the end of, the, end of the, the season. He started the last eight games for Lille, and his better displays, in, in, especially in some of the bigger games that he's been part of, have been really impressive, really commanding, really assured. Uh, holding midfield, uses the ball really nicely. It doesn't very rarely gets flustered. Um, so he's the type of player that could, if we're talking, I imagine we're talking big when he moved to the Premier League. He's the type of player that tends to translate quite well in, in that sort of midfield area. He's sort of, you know, sort of prepared, in, if you like, um, for for that sort of that sort of hustle and bustle of the Premier League. Um, so maybe he's one that we'll be looking at outside Moffy. And then a third one, I think. Um, my old mate Andres Clavijo, who's uh, who's uh, who's uh, Bielsa's translator, famously so on Match of the Day, he used to cover Liga with me at Radar. Um, I've heard Leeds link with Roman Fair. I don't know if he's got anything to do with that. He probably doesn't. But given how good Roman Fair uh, was in the first half of the season for Brest, um, he um, he he's one that I would definitely be looking at. For, not necessarily for a Premier League club, but for a top six Liga team. Um, whether he's best as a, as a central player or playing off the left, um, I, 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 I wouldn't, I'm not sure yet, but he, he's got tremendous amount of talent. And having come out of pretty much nowhere, you know, he's used at Monaco uh, under Thierry Henry, I think fleetingly, but as, this is basically his, is his first season as a, as a professional when he's 22. Um, he's got a load of potential and, and perhaps just as with Brest struggling, you know, perhaps somewhere like Leon, if they're looking for a, you know, sort of a cut price replacement. Uh, for for maybe if our goes 
that he he could be somewhere like that. Or if, if maybe even you know, a lower end Premier League team like Southampton that play an expansive style under Hassan Hutu would be interesting. So yeah, I think there's so much choice. But um, off the top of my head, I'd go for one of those three. Maybe Fav to to, to Leeds is an exclusive there. Maybe we. we'll... (laughs) I just heard them linked and I thought, I wonder if Andrews has had a word in Bielsa's ear, but um, uh, I I doubt it. Uh, You've given them some free scouting there. (laughs) Um, No, no, three three excellent picks there. And and Eric, coming to you on this one, we've had a question from Wallin on Twitter who asks, who are your picks of those relegation side players being picked up for cheap in the summer? Um, he's listed examples like the Ibrahim Sangares, uh, the Musa Kanates, the Marcus Turams, etc., that we've seen in previous seasons. I guess you could make a case, for example, for Colo Moani of Nantes are relegated. He's been he's been reportedly followed by Eintracht Frankfurt and Southampton. Um, yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on that one, Eric? Um, Munir, Munir Shuyar um, from Dijon, I think, uh, is is probably the best player for for them um i'd look as well uh bruno aquile manga i think has been a, a decently uh, player um uh, i think he could get a move somewhere else and then from from neem i think you've, you've got to look at uh baptiste rene uh, i think i think stands out for them uh i think he's been he's been a, a, a solid keeper everywhere he's been uh it doesn't seems to be in relegation battles quite often unfortunately um, but again, you know, I think has always been on, uh, oftentimes been on teams that are really poor defensively, uh, through no fault of his own. Um, yeah, and then Zinedine Fairhat, I think is, is an intriguing player as well. I think that, uh, the creativity that he showed this season was, was of a fairly high level. And I think that he could offer something, uh, to a more ambitious team, um, you know, playing as a wide player. Oh, I don't know. Say Leo were to get rid of uh, Ikone, you know, could he be uh, a replacement there, for example? Uh, another round of, of great picks there, Eric. And our, our final question uh, for today comes from James Housen. Uh, and I just want one word, nothing more. Uh, one word from, from both of you. Who will be the team to challenge PSG next year? I guess who will be the team to run PSG the closest or perhaps pip them to the title um, Adam, I'll come to you first. Monaco. And Eric? Um, that, that's the best. Yes, the same, but I, I, I have more caveats than just the one word answer. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. We have to save our caveats for, for next week's show. But but um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I would have to agree again, perhaps pending certain, uh, certain caveats. Anyway, uh, we close the show, uh, our final regular show of the season, with our spotlight section where we offer a brief but insightful profile on one of the many promising players who dazzle us on a weekly basis in the league dubbed the League of Talents. Uh, the final spotlight of the season, we had to pick a Lille player, of course. And who else to pick than the man who helped Lille on their way to the title on Sunday night, uh, Jonathan David. The 21-year-old was born in New York but grew up in Canada and after joining Ghent, he made his debut in Belgium in 2018 uh, as an 18-year-old. Uh, after a 23-goal campaign for them in the 1920 season, he joined Lille for 30 million euros, becoming the most expensive Canadian player of all time. Uh, Eric, tell us a little bit about Jonathan David then, his background, 
the season he's had so far. Well, I should say the season he's had <laughs> as we're at the end of it. Uh, and yeah, just a bit about him as a as a player. Yeah, you know, when he, when he came through in Belgium, he was often played uh, as a second striker or behind a front two. Um, I think that when he came in uh, at Lille, he was, you know, there was some confusion as to what his best position was, what sort of player he was. Um, obviously, he did not have a good start, a strong start to the season. The fact that Lille were top in January, um, despite his meager goal scoring record, it, it seemed to be that uh, Le Dog's success was coming despite him. Uh, rather than uh, because of him. Um, but I think he started to get his feet. Um, and obviously, I think he scored, I think, 11 goals in the calendar year. Uh, none more important than uh, that one on Sunday. And I think that he, he's shown his pace and inventiveness and one-touch finishing that he he is a, a very capable player. Uh, and I think that that's something that um, that faith that Galtier has shown in him uh, is really impressive. Um, and I think that um, what what we'll come to see from him uh, going forward is is really impressive. Um, uh, yeah, he was the most expensive player purchased by any French team over the summer, um, unless we want to count Mauro Cardi, who was sort of already with PSG. Um, so certainly a lot of pressure there, and I don't. Um, I think that the adjustment to a higher standard of play was something that uh, perhaps was a, a challenging aspect for him. But I think that uh, as time wore on and you know, we know Galtier, I mean, more than anything, I wrote about this in the column today for The Guardian, that more than anything, his gifts for um, improving these younger attacking players, seemingly from out of nowhere. I mean, we look at Nicola Pepe, we look at <clears throat> Victor Oziman. I think Jonathan Bamba, you know, is has not had quite the same uh, dramatic uh, in, in from out of nowhere. You know, he's a French under-21 international. He hasn't had quite the same, quote-unquote, from out of nowhere rise as did those, but I think that this has certainly become a calling card of, of Christophe Gauthier's developing these young attacking players. And, uh, you know, yeah, uh, I think certainly Jonathan David is another uh, feather in his cap, as it were, in that respect. Um, yeah, I, uh, as you said, I think certainly someone someone who perhaps benefited over time from 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 working with Christophe Gauthier, someone who who maybe didn't hit the ground running perhaps because of because of, of of playing in an unfamiliar slightly unfamiliar position or certainly a different one to roll to the one he was asked to play in Ghent but but two goals uh, prior to uh, the turn of the year 11 goals since 13 in 37 games in total for Ligue 1 and and some big ones of course that goal against PSG um and 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 that goal against Angers at the weekend that that set Lille on their way um 11 goals in 12 games for for Canada. So clearly, you know, a part of this bright generation of young Canadian players who's coming through the likes of Alfonso Davis as well. So a real, uh, really exciting time for Canadian uh, football. Um, finally, Eric, is is he someone you see the club uh, aiming to hold on to? Or do you see him as kind of the next uh, link in the chain of these players who who pass through Lille uh, and then go on to move on for big money, the likes of, of Pepe and, uh, and Osimhen, of course? I think, given the club's financial model, you can't think of anything else. And maybe that's not that's not going to be this summer. But uh, I do think that um, I do think that yes, in, it, whether it's in the medium term or the short term, that is the case for for his presence with um, with Leo. Uh, I don't think they buy players. Maybe maybe, maybe Jose Fonch is an exception to this. Um, I don't think they buy players for the for the medium term, as it were. I think they buy them. To, with, with the idea, with the, with an eye towards increasing their value. Mm-hmm. 
exactly other than the likes of your 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 fonts or your your yield mass um excellent well um yeah i think i i agree it, it he's someone who i can't see i i can see staying this summer perhaps despite other players moving on given that he's only been there for one season and perhaps still needs a bit of time at this level uh to grow but yes yeah, certainly he seems like he will be the next in that line of uh, talented attackers to pass through Lille and move on for for bigger money but of course big money was invested in him in the first place but yeah um look forward to watching him in Ligue 1 hopefully next season and and kick on from from his campaign uh, the campaign he's had now particularly the second half of that campaign anyway that is all we've got time for tonight many thanks not only for joining us uh, for our last regular show but for joining us this season we'll be back next week with our awards show and i'm sure we'll have plenty of content for both your eyes and ears here at GFFN on the euros and what promises to be an enthralling summer transfer window in France and beyond, uh, and much, much more than that as well. Make sure you're following us at GFFN on Twitter and keeping tabs on our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com. Plus, make sure you grab a copy of the latest issue of The Modern Footballer, which is out on June the 1st. In a pandemic-stricken season without fans, it's been easy to fall out of love with the beautiful game, but following this compelling campaign from all angles, it's been difficult not to fall further in love with it. Many thanks to Eric Devin and Adam White for joining me tonight. I've been Jake Smales. Stay safe, enjoy the football and have a great week.